Welcome to The Leadership Mind. I'm your host, Massimo Bacchus. This show is about the stories, assumptions, and perspectives that either create or block our ability to lead. In this podcast, we'll speak with those that are in the arena, the leaders themselves. By trade and training, I'm a leadership coach and facilitator with a relentless curiosity for helping people, teams, and organizations thrive in pursuit of making their vision and purpose a reality. The goal is to bring you new insights, perspectives, and practices to help you lead authentically, navigate your career intentionally, and grow high-performing teams successfully. My hope is that in these episodes, you will witness humility, where we celebrate our failures as much as our successes. Curiosity, where we share wisdom and insights openly. And community, where we grow together. Let's explore the leadership mind. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of The Leadership Mind. I'm your host, Massimo Bacchus, and today I'm joined by R.A. Scheinbaum. R.A. is someone who comes with an incredible depth of knowledge when it comes to finance and business and how to make the most out of the money that we earn so that we can be most purposeful and impactful in our mission and our business. In addition to be an advisor and an expert in the wealth creation space, he also is the host of a top 100 iTunes ranked podcast called Inside the Lines Den, where he talks about leadership skills, financial acumen, operational improvements that require for the sustainment for entrepreneurial and financial success. So Aria, welcome. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. It's a pleasure to have you. I, uh, I want to go back because right now you have a, a podcast, Top 100 Podcast, Inside the Lion's Den. That's kind of like an ominous, you know, name that <laughs> conjures up some images of like, don't mess with this man. Um, have you always been, uh, you know, inside the lion's den or where, where did this begin for you? Yeah. So it's funny, like when I was trying to figure out what to call it, like, you know, there's a lot of like better to be clear than clever, you know, in marketing. <laughs> right. And, and all these different things. So I, I was like, Hey, what, what would a good name be to represent what I'm trying to, you know, bring to the audience to bring to the listener. And the thing that what I really found is, um, you know, there's like, there's this common concept of like, you don't know what you don't know, but there's this, a deep one step past that is like, there are those things that you didn't even know. You didn't even know, meaning you, I know there's tons of things I don't know, but then when I kind of get around them or kind of get to the point, I find out that there's all this other stuff. I didn't even know to think that I didn't know at that time. Right. And so, um, having gone through, you know, 20 plus years in business, primarily like while it's been on the investment side, as well as my own businesses, the investment side, like what are you doing? You're actually putting money into private companies or public companies. So you actually have to understand the levers of what goes on there, like what makes them work and what makes them not work. And so a lot of times, like I've been involved in companies that like people are always entertained by my stories about certain businesses we've been either invested in or, you know, shouldn't have been invested in or what sure. have you, but like all these things that like are hiding back there. Right. And so it's like this dark unknown place that someone is trying to explore for their own journey of their own business. And they're like, Hey, I'm getting to somewhere, but I'm, I'm not really sure what lays ahead. How, how can I find that out? So when I started the podcast, it was like, okay, I'm going to start telling certain things that I've experienced but as much as I may have seen like between one company and a thousand companies, there's a lot of other people that have much more intimate 
experience with other companies. And so I wanted to kind of bring in that kind of, you know, guest network, so to speak, over time, where I'm bringing them, pulling the curtain back, right, and, and kind of bringing them into these dark, unknown places. So the lion's den, while it's not really a real place, right, like lions actually tend not to live in dens, um, it's this dark, scary place. Like if you go to the movie, like, oh, don't go in the cave, like, oh, is there a bear hibernating or lions or whatever it is? Um, so that was item A. So it fit the concept. B, there's a little bit of a play on word here, right? So my name is Arya. In Hebrew, that means lion. And so it kind of really fit together with what I was trying to do with the podcast. And I was like, okay, some people may get, get, may get the name reference. Some people may not, but it's all good because like they understand like, Hey, it's this dark unknown place that they they've never been into, or they're scared to kind of go into and and I'm going to help guide them through it. Yeah. Well, I love the play on words and the idea of, you know, opening up the Jahari window and exploring that kind of unknown, unknown to you and I, and seeing like what's available there and peeling back the curtain on maybe what we assumed was the limitation of knowledge in a space. And then you realize there's, there's a whole other avenue. I would imagine in your space, looking at so many different businesses um, and understanding not just what is the, the product or the service to the outside world, but being able to look under the hood and see like what's actually happening internally, um, that you're constantly looking for more information and trying to find out what's not known here to make the best decisions around investments for yourself and for your, for your clients. Yeah, for sure. So this is obviously comes from a place of deep curiosity for you that I would imagine is it seems to be an innate quality and, and um, something that uh, you should be proud of. That's a quality that we could all muster more of. When you think back through your life, have you always been a deeply curious person? Were you a deeply curious kid who was, you know, taking things apart and putting them back together? It, it's, I think it's such an interesting, like, it's a great question. It's also interesting in the sense that, like, there were certain things I took apart. I was, I was definitely very curious. There's not a question about that. But I had this, like, if I really think back, I took things apart, but I rarely put them back together. <laughs> And I think part of it was, I wasn't sure what to do and like how to, how to go about doing it. But I, I, I remember clearly there was this time, there was a time in my life when I was a kid and I would deconstruct things. And if there was no, so if there was an electrical component, it, I don't know why, but like I was naturally fearful that I would hurt myself in some way, shape or form. And so I avoided that. And maybe it was because like one time I was a kid, I got shocked hard or something. I don't even know. But um, I would pretend that I could put it back together and it was this computer or this whatever it was. And I guess, but like I know, like as a kid, I asked a lot of questions and like anytime we were somewhere I wanted to understand things. But in terms of like building technical aspects, I don't think I ever like really, like I played with like some Lego, but I wasn't like a big Lego kid. Um, so I def, and anytime I did Lego, like it was like, okay, where the where, what's the instruction book? Let me follow the instructions. And now I have this basically a model or this toy or this whatever that I'm going to play with. Whereas I had friends, like they put together the most crazy, you know, things, mix match sets. I was like, oh, you know, like, how are you going to know the pieces? They're like, oh, this, that's the fun. And I'm like, Ugh, you know, like <laughs> that didn't fit my personality. I was not that creative. Let me just make things out of nothing. You know? It's a fascinating um you know, kind of lens to look through is how we played with Legos. My son is very much like you. He's really into Legos, but it's like, we got to follow the, you know, the process here, dad, we cannot deviate if a piece is missing. It could be the end of the world. <laughs> uh, 
And when I was growing up, I remember having lots of Legos, but never instructions. Now, I don't know where my parents were getting the Legos from, but <laughs> my brother and I had to just use our imagination and we would build these really cool robots that uh, are nothing like the Legos of today. But I proudly tell my son, you know, I built something like this back then without instructions. And I don't think he even gets connects the dots. He's like, how could you do that? So, yeah. Uh, so you were taking things apart, putting them back together. You were a, a process oriented person, but where, like, what did you get out of this ability to be curious and, and how is that kind of taking you on this path of, you know, um, being curious within the context of business and then getting curious for your clients to help them add greater value to their businesses? Yeah. So I think that the curiosity just, it, when it started out, um, I didn't, I didn't really notice it when I was a kid, like being curious, like I may have been told like, Hey, you know, like maybe tone it down or like, you know, that kind of thing. But it was never like, Oh, you, you ask, like, I don't think, I don't recall a teacher ever saying, wow, you asked the best questions. Cause if I wasn't interested in the subject, I probably wasn't asking any questions. Right. right? Like, um, and even today, if there's a topic that I I'm not really interested in, I'm willing to listen and learn, but I'm probably not going to ask too many questions because then it's going to go, on further for something I don't really have an interest in, but I, I have a pretty broad interest. So like when I meet people and they tell me what they do, I'm just naturally curious about it, but I, I didn't realize how intuitive certain business things came to me, like how, you know, naturally certain things until like I was probably like in college or maybe even like in high school. And I was talking to my neighbor about something and he was a, a real estate attorney who had a title company and I was saying something and he's like, he says, that's really insightful. He says, have you considered getting like your, your MBA? And I think I was like a senior in high school. I'm like MBA. I'm like, I haven't even gotten like my undergrad. And he says, yeah, I, I think you should just go straight for, and, and at that time, like that the world had changed. Like people used to like, you know, probably like in the seventies and eighties and maybe in the nineties, I don't know. I think people like went undergrad and then even in business, they didn't go to get a job. They went straight to like the master's degree. And now that's like totally not done. But um, he was like so intrigued with some of my ideas and he was, he's a very successful guy, but it kind of pointed out to me like, huh, maybe this isn't like normal. And like in hindsight, like I know like what I did with like sports cards as a kid and how I kind of arbitraged things back then before the internet made it, you know, super capable, like it just was, it made common sense to me. And so like when I got into business and I was asking different questions, I remember one of the jobs when I was an equity research analyst. So you meet with the management teams and you write these, you publish these reports, like, you know, like Goldman Sachs and Morgan Stanley and whatever firm you're at. And at the time I either was at UBS or, or Bank of America, and we met with this executive management team and the senior analyst, who's my boss, he had like his list of questions. And he said to me, he goes, we're going to this meeting and like, I'm, I don't even remember how old I am, but like, this is, you know, I'm not like I'm, I'm under 30 and, you know, we're, we're kind of at this meeting and there's like literally like the CEO of a publicly traded company and his CFO and, and the head of IR and all these things. And they start telling how the business works. And my boss is like moving through his punch list, but in between, I'm like, there are so many questions, like we're skipping here. So there's a break. And I said to my boss, I'm like, do you? find if I ask addition. He's like, no, feel free. And I start asking all these other questions. At first, I like, I felt bad, but the executives were like, yeah, oh, that, let me explain to you that that's interesting question you have. And, and they kind of start taking me through like, Hey, 
if you didn't ask that question, you really wouldn't fully appreciate our business or fully understand like the levers that like make our business either more valuable, less valuable. And it, it kind of started to dawn on me like, okay, this is a tremendous skill set that you, you don't like sell it as a skill set, but you, you really are able to like help people yeah. either, in, either improve their business or invest their money or whatever it is. If you're, if you're starting to like ask these like nuanced kind of questions. What was the intuition you had at the time that these questions were a missed opportunity or that they were worth asking aside from the punch list? So I, I felt like in, in that case, this we I covered financial companies, so like banks and things like this, but these, these companies were called trust companies. And like they do things that like nobody really cares about. That's the truth. Like, you know, like they, they handle money, but the, the average person doesn't like, well, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm gonna bore them. But the incentives for a number of their staff seemed like it, it, like the way he was explaining, like the revenue growth, because the, the, the story with this company was a growth story. And in the financial sector, like that's rare. Before FinTech, it was like, there's nothing like sexy about financials. And, um, and it was like, he's telling us how fast he's growing. And, and like, and my boss is like, yeah, this is really good. And, and, it, and to me, it was like, well, how the heck are you doing that? Like, there's got to be some, there has to be an incentive for somebody to do something. And like, let's say the, the incentive falls apart, or let's say the incentive starts to cut into your bottom line. Have you, have you managed this margin? Right? Like, so I'm thinking like, okay, now I get it. Like there's some, somebody's driving this bus, but I don't know who the player is. And I don't know what's making that player run. I need to understand that because if that player falls down, uh, what, what just happened here? And why is the stock going to fall off a cliff or why is the business going to tumble? And so that's what we kind of got into. That was that specific story. So the questions were being asked were about the what, and you got really curious about the how and the why. Correct. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Um, I want to go back to something you said about the baseball cards. Sure. What were you arbitraging? What what was happening back then in the space of base, baseball cards? I think this is fascinating, and, and I bet it's a, a, probably a perfect metaphor for what you do today as like a relentless entrepreneur. Um, yeah. So <laughs> what was happening was, so it, I, I was really into sports but I was really into sports cards as well. I was a, like an avid collector. And so my, my remember back then card shows were like in these hotel lobbies or, or like ballrooms or whatever it was. And like everybody would put their stuff on tables. And so like, I'm like this 12 year old kid, 10 year old kid, and I'm going and I'm, I'm collecting. Right. And baseball I, cards, football, basketball, all sports. So, so it started primarily baseball basketball cards were just hitting the scene. Like, you know, so like, you know, remember Michael Jordan's 84 rookie card. That was the first year Fleer even had like a product. Right. Um, and so it was, it was basketball and football were like very secondary to baseball being the primary, but back then the, the price guide came out once a month. And I remember it clear as day, right? Like you, there were two columns, right? Like there was like mint and near mint. Those were the, like the two pricings. And then next to it, if the price had gone up month over month, there was this like little triangular arrow that kind of like pointed up, right? And, and like you waited for the guy to come and tell you that one of your cards had just gone from like $1 to $3, right? Like, whoo, you're like, I 3 x my money, right? And like, I don't remember what triggered this, <clears throat> but I'm like, I'm watching a player and they're a rookie or they're in their second season and their card was, let's say, let's use that $1 example. 
and they're playing really, really well, like better than they should be or better than the expectations were. Right. I'm like, that card is definitely going to go up. Like, there's not a question. And because you don't have real time pricing, right? Like I basically had a 30 day window to make an assessment before that thing hit the, 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 the newsstand or the, or the card store. Right. And like, at first I was like, this seems like it would make sense. And like, I didn't take action the first time. I'm like, okay, let, let's see how this works out. So I'm like, okay, like it's almost like paper trading stocks, right? Like you're like, okay, hypothetically, if I bought, you know, Daryl Strawberry's rookie, or if I bought, you know, name your player, whoever, Mark McGuire, right? Whatever it was back then. Okay, what would, ha- what, how would I have done, right? This next month, right? Did the guide agree with my thesis? And sure enough, like the price would come up, boom, Jose Canseco up, you know, whatever, because he hit a whole lot more home runs than they expected or whatever it is. I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this next month. If he continues to play well, I'm going to just accumulate more. I'm just going to go out to the next shows that I go, I'm just going to buy all of them or however much my allowance will afford or whatever I've, you know, earned whatever I was doing. And I'll see how this works. <clears throat> and sure enough, like if a player started to play bad, I'm like, okay, I'm not, I'll ease off of it. But sure enough, I was buying things. And then the next month, the guide would come out and the prices would go up. And so I'm like, okay, if I just follow the player and actually see how they actually perform, that makes a lot of sense for these cards. And okay, Cal Ripken, even like I'm, I'm nowhere near his rookie. I don't, I didn't own his rookie card, but I'm like, it makes sense to just start going back. Like this guy has this crazy record going. Let me just start accumulating his rookie card because it eventually is going to go up. Like someone's going to realize and sure enough, like this is what was playing out. And so by the time I was like 15, I had totally moved from going to the shows to buy. I actually started having my own table and I started to sell. And then I realized I'm like, holy cow, I, I really accumulate quote unquote inventory. Like I used to buy at these shows. If I'm behind the table, how am I going to go buy? So then I started hiring my friends to come to the shows with me. They stood at the table so I could kind of go and pick up gems but like i remember this one time clear as day like i was like 12 years old i'm at a show and i don't remember the rookie but he was on fire and they the way that you know most of these card shows or stores have it is like you know the expensive stuff's up front in the better cases and then like you know it's tiered back and the stuff that's in the album is like the, the lower end stuff you know and because you put like a single card in, in in a sleeve right and so he had a whole page of this rookie and he and the price was he was selling the, the card for a dollar and I, and I knew just knowing the pricing, like I knew that car was either three or $5. Like it, this was a good price. Okay. So I'm buying it even less than, but most dealers would pay like half book. That was like their old school thing. And so I was like, um, I'll take that one. And they're like, oh, you want one? I'm like, no, I'll take all eight. Now when a 12 year old, if listen, if, if you're in New York where I am and like you're a Yankee fan and it's a Yankee player. Okay. Maybe you attribute it to like, okay, this kid's a fan. But like when it's an out of town player, and you want eight of them, you, you as the seller, you're like, I probably, there's something this 12 year old knows that I don't know. Right. So sure enough, he's like, Oh, hang on a second. And he opens the price guide and like, he sees he's already off base and he's like, Oh, you know, the price isn't right. And like, I, I wasn't about to like go at it. Like I'm a kid, you know, out of nowhere, my dad, like he was not with me at that time, but he kind of comes in. He's like, don't change that price on him. You, it says a dollar, you know, don't take advantage of the kid. Duh, duh, duh. I'm like, whoo, you know, so I bought all eight, 
you know, and it was like three or five bucks. And then the player continued on. And like, I remember flipping them and, you know, trading them out of them. And so that's kind of like, I was arbing basically the, the time that I had that 30 day window between price guides. If I just kind of followed the, the performance, I figured like it would work out. And most of the time it did. So you came up with your own investment strategy and uh, it built, built a little card card empire out of that. Yeah. Uh, so this is this has been ingrained in you since, since very early on to see these opportunities, and now you're in a position where you're sharing it more broadly, and you're educating entrepreneurs and business leaders on how to have the same kind of mentality of looking for these opportunities to to leverage um, their business and their assets. Is that right? Yeah. No, definitely. I mean, I, and I think it goes for anything, whether you want to do it on the investment side or investing in your business side. It's like seeing these opportunities of either unused assets or mispriced assets to make more value, whether it's more value in your business or more value in your personal balance sheet. So this podcast area is all about the, the, the mindset of leadership and the times that our mindset serves us well and the times where our limiting beliefs or our assumptions get in our way. When you think about the leaders that you work with, that you're trying to help instill this awareness, this methodology, this way of kind of seeing this opportunity before them. What are um, some of the challenges that you see, some of the themes that you see break down in their psychology and their ability to kind of adopt um, a new way of doing things? Um, so I think I think that um, I see it and it, it manifests itself in, in very different ways. And the limiting beliefs, because I think everyone, based on their upbringing, based on their experiences, they're going to have different sets of limiting beliefs. It may be, you know, up all the way up here at the top, or maybe all the way down, you know, low, low down. And if you look at like <clears throat> massive companies, right, like we're talking like global Fortune 500 type of things, the founders of these businesses, like they, they wouldn't, it wasn't that they wouldn't take no for an answer but they weren't limited by the belief that some of these things can't happen. You know, Elon Musk is like a great example. Like you don't have to like everything he says or does. You don't have to agree with everything he says or does. But he looked at, you know, the, basically he, he said, okay, space travel, how does this work? What, where are the limitations of physics? But just because everybody else has done something a certain way, doesn't make it right. Let's figure out like first principle, how do we change this? Like, how can I do this differently? And like, he's done it with multiple companies, right? And, and he isn't always the founder and that, that's fine. He, he doesn't have to be. Like some, some of these businesses he is and some of these businesses he's just the CEO and you know, he was the, the game changer for that business. And so when, when I look at people's experiences on different things, when you, when, when you see people like hitting a wall of some sort, Right. So if, if they're coming and they're like, hey, my business is struggling to do this or struggling to do, to do that. The first thing I find that really helps reset is to kind of zoom out and say, OK, like what where do you ultimately where are you trying to get this thing to? Like I get I get you're hitting this this rock. Right. Or this wall. But like, why are we even at this point? Like, what is the, the, the objective on the other side? Yeah, I think a, a lot of times some people don't know. And that is a fundamental problem, right? Like if you don't know where you're going to go, you'll never get there, right? Because there, if there's no destination and the destination can change, like you get to that destination, you're like, hey, I want to go to the next destination. That's cool. And so I think, I think a lot of business owners, you know, get into it and 
for some people it's, Hey, I want freedom or I want money or I want this. And then some people it's like, I'm creating the solution to this problem. And if I get paid along the way, that's great. And then other people, it's some hybrid, it, it, it starts one way, it becomes another thing. And so like, if we zoom out and we're like, okay, what, where are we actually trying to get to that we're hitting this wall? A lot of times you find, you can find the solution without, it's not about breaking through that wall. It's just about like understanding like why you've hit this wall because you, you shouldn't actually be down this path. Like this wall is not movable per se. And we're just gonna go around it because we, we got stuck in the details when we probably shouldn't be down this aisle. Sometimes we have to go through that wall. Like, it's like, okay, you just don't believe that you can get on to the moon without, you know, being NASA. And therefore we're gonna change something about that. So I think, I think it really depends on the things, but the first thing is really to like zoom out to remember like, hey, where are we trying to get to? Because sometimes the solution, you're just not necessarily in the right place. Like you're hitting a wall that you shouldn't be hitting because you didn't need to come down that path. So you're either, down the wrong path and the wall is in front of you but you're not in the right place or the wall exists but it's there because you don't know what's on the other side and the question is to to step back and be able to see like the, the broader playing field and like are there other roads around this wall is the only road through it and then right. you know get clarity on what's the other side yeah for sure i mean i i think i think some people have a, an amazing ability to just break through these belief barriers, these walls, all these things. They're just like, they may have had it, but their, their ability to punch through is, is amazing. And then there are other people like they can, they can observe the walls, but they'd rather like find it. Like, I don't, I don't know how to describe it, but it's almost like they'll bail. They'd rather like say, you know what, let me go to the next thing. Like this, I don't want to get through this wall. It's scary. I don't know what's on the other side. I'm just going to, you know, do something else. And then they're going to be successful until they hit the wall again. They'll be like, ah, yeah, I don't, I'm scared to get through this wall. I'm just going to try something else. And they're going to keep moving. And eventually, like, if you're really trying to get to something big or whatever it is, you're, you're going to have to punch through the, these mental beliefs. Like, there's no question about it. A hundred percent. The author, Michael Bungay Stainer just wrote a, a book called How to Begin. And it's all about really identifying like what are the walls that we want to break through is it importing important uh daunting and thrilling and if it doesn't have those three criteria then you're not actually going to persevere you know it's not a it's not a, a goal that is worthy of your investment of time resources um and commitment and i think that's what you're getting to is when people get to that point the the, the fear is there because they're missing one of the components of it being daunting important or thrilling for them i think that's an excellent point and a great way of saying it. Yeah. Um, so we are in a, I, it's almost like I'm so tired of saying and hearing it, but the unprecedented time, it's unprecedented that the pandemic happened. It's unprecedented with, with what's going on with Ukraine and Russia. Uh, if we think about what's happening with climate um, and now we're sort of reemerging from this pandemic potentially, or we're, we're moving into kind of the next, the next stage of it. When you think about the last two years, what have been the most impactful or the biggest lessons that you've learned? Yeah, whew, there's so many. Um, and like you said, like every time you turn around, like you're in this unprecedented and then and something bigger happens, you're like, okay, it's unprecedented. And, you know, it's, it's terrible what's going on in the world, like in, in the other parts, right? And potential war and who knows, I mean, there's obviously a war going on that doesn't involve the United States yet. Um, but it also like, 
even yesterday's news of unprecedented inflation, right? Like, mm-hmm. and we're at this point where really like, I'm happy I'm not like a, a Fed reserve type of um, you know, policymaker because they're in the kind of lose-lose. They're either going to lose with the inflation side or you're going to lose on the recession side because you raise rates, but ultimately is, you know, it is what it is. And, and so if I look at the lessons, um, I think, I think there are a number of like really important lessons that I kind of take away from the last couple of years. Um, number one is that if you, if you put your head down and just do work and you do this stuff, I'm not saying to be an ostrich and ignore the world. But like, if you, if you're going to like a good, a good example is here. So we're, we're, we're having this conversation in the middle of March of 2022. If you look at like the the stock market kind of like peaked in November of 2021. And since then, I don't know what the NASDAQ's down, but it's bad, right? Like, I mean, I know year to date, it's down like whatever, 15, 20%, but like from those peaks, it's probably is down. Some, some names are down 40, 50, 60, 70%, you know, Peloton is definitely not you know, a name that, you know, anyone's in their portfolio, they're probably not excited unless they just bought it recently. And so I I look at that and I say, if you kind of like had, had not paid attention to a lot of things and you were running your business and you're just doing your thing, you're playing, like thinking long-term, it, you'll, we'll come out on the other side, right? Like, I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't know the timing and I'm not going to pretend to, to, to know it. But I know though, if you, if you just keep doing the thing and doing your thing and not constantly being worrying about all these things, yes, you want to be worried about your health. You want to be about your loved ones. You want to protect yourself, all these different things. But if you just continue to go and, and keep growing in whatever you're doing, like, I don't know your business, I don't know your personal thing, but focusing on that it, and tuning out a lot of this stuff, you will be like so surprised at what you can accomplish in one year, two years, three years, because if you had put your head down in the beginning of, like, I, I think about it like this, if someone was working then at home, March of 2020, and <clears throat> maybe they didn't have a job, maybe they had a job, whatever it is, but now they're homebound. If instead of hopping on Netflix, they just started to learn a skill. And so even if it was just till June, when in theory, some of the restrictions went away, they would have probably gotten pretty good at a skill. And if they did it then for the entire 2020 or the entire 2020 into part of 2021, like think about how much progress they could have made instead of like, oh my goodness, this, or oh my goodness, that, but just like focusing on this thing. So, so that's number one thing that like a big lesson for me is like, we've, we've always, you know, people always say like, you know, people overestimate what they can do in, in one year, but underestimate what they can accomplish in 10. This though kind of really showed like if you really put in like the work for a dedicated period of time, like how much actually can get done. It may not feel like a lot, but you'd be amazed at what you can look like from the start of COVID to the end of COVID, you know, whether it's physically, whether it's skills on, on, you know, work or business or language, anything. Number two is I think um, I have a very different, like I always was very appreciative of my life and my family and, and all these things and my health. But I have like, I, I definitely, by the end of 2020, I came to a whole nother level of gratitude. And, you know, now definitely, you know, believe much more in like a gratitude journal. And I had my kids do like for the holidays in 2020, I bought everybody gratitude journals. And I'm like, listen, for me, my gift, I want you to give me for this year, this coming year is you write in your journal. And I don't have to read it. I don't have to know about it. But like, you know, I don't want my kids to be buying me. I don't need these things. So I'm like, hey, 
I bought everybody. My gift to them was not, hey, you're not going to get your whatever PS, you know, whatever game you wanted. It was not, it wasn't that. It was like, this is, I'm going to have you give me a gift. And that's by me buying you this thing. And I want you to fill it out and work on this, you know, daily. Because I, I found like a tremendous connection of like being, being appreciative and, and recognizing these things. And like, you know, during that lockdown period, we had, you know, we had family walks, we had family dinner every night. We, we even like read books together. It was like very, it was very different. I don't know, you know, like, and it was, it was very meaningful. So that that's number two. And then I think the last thing that like, it really made me, it, it ties a little bit to the first point I made is, um, is patience. And that is that everyone's always in a rush. We're always rushing to either get somewhere to accomplish something, to be someone, to fill in the blank. There's always a rush, but if we just take it a little slower and have more patience, whether it's with our career, whether it's our business, and we kind of slow down that expectation and just say, okay, it's okay that I'm not there yet. It's okay. Like have that patience. I think long-term it, it has tremendous upside, like patience as a, as a, as a skill, patience as a, a virtue um, definitely pays huge dividends. Have you always been a patient person? <laughs> um, certain things, yes. Certain things, completely not. Like certain things I'm very impatient and certain things I have patience with, but this, there, there are a lot, my impatience definitely has come, definitely come down. So what have you done to become more patient and allow, I, I mean, I would imagine that it comes hand in hand with, with when we're focused on something to your kind of the, the first lesson. And we recognize that this is a journey of learning something and that it's not necessarily about focusing on, focusing on the incremental progress, but it's about recognizing that three, six, nine, 12 months, we can continue to look back and see how far we've come. That, that from, for me, has certainly um, helped create a practice of patience because it's in those moments of being mindful and looking back. Yeah. Where I didn't put a timeline on how long this would take. And in not doing so, it's actually happened more quickly than I realized because I was so in the moment that time uh, kind of took on a different scale. Yeah, so I think I think that it's it's a little bit of that, like hindsight, looking back, what has happened over these two years. Okay, what have I accomplished? What did I expect to accomplish? What did I think was going to happen, and what actually did happen? So to, to your point exactly, the other thing is. Um, feeling that like, if we really, like, if someone told me like that it's been two years since the pandemic started, while it's felt like a really long time, it's also like, you, you're kind of like surprised it's been two years, right? Like, it's like, get out of here type of thing, you know? And so I think what it's, what it's done is also kind of like made me appreciate different things in my life. So kind of tying the gratitude, right? And saying, you know what, I probably could have, or I did now I'm, I'm gaining these things that I, I didn't expect to gain because I was kind of moving at a slower pace. I was kind of being more mindful, being more present in different things. Exactly what you were saying about, hey, I'm present in that moment. And I didn't realize how far I've come that <clears throat> have made me recognize, like, I need to continue to keep that as a, as a, in the back of my mind, like, don't rush about it. Like I, I remember when I got my first job on Wall, it was it was on Wall Street, and it was like in college. It became like my sole focus was to get the best job, right? Like I wanted the, all the brand name investment firms, you know, <clears throat> and this is what I wanted. 
and I thought I knew why and definitely was wrong. But as soon as I got there, the, my next focus wasn't like, let me learn the skills and be good at it. It was, okay, what's my next move? Where am I going to be in two or three years from now? And, and then after that, I was like, okay, where is this going to lead me? And like, in hindsight, like, that's just so crazy, right? It's this, oh, I'm not on the, the Forbes under 30 under 30, or I'm not on the Midas list. It's like, what, what is going on? Like, if I just had the patience to just stay the course and do the thing, I think in certain aspects, I probably could have gone even further in, in things. And, and that like hindsight has made me come to like, and I think these two years have given me like that introspection of like, okay, you know what? You may be X years old, but you've got a lot of time left. And even if you don't, like in two years, a lot can happen. Like you yeah. can accomplish so much. So just be patient. You're saying that your um, your goals and ambition for external validation and recognition uh, was actually false, and it actually prevented you from practicing the focus that you're benefiting from now. No, I would. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I think that is a timeless lesson, Arie, for everyone. And unfortunately, it is one of those things that, <clears throat> uh, you know, we learn over time. You know, I think we, we all have experiences of that, of recognizing, you know, finally kind of waking up to the fact that the external validation and chasing that um, does not bear the same fruit of, you know, following our purpose and our passion, believing in ourselves putting in the effort to actually get good at what we do, you know, the consistency of it. And uh, so I'm, I'm happy to hear that you, that you have found that. And it, it seems like it, it's clearly benefiting you by like the smile on your face. What has what role has gratitude played in your ability to, um, to stay the course and start to recognize the, the values of, of your intrinsic, you know, values and motivations. Yeah. So I think, um, I think I've always recognized in as a, at a high level, I, I recognized the good. Like I always looked at my life and said, you know, I'm, I'm very lucky. Like I, I've been healthy. My kids have been healthy. My wife's been healthy. Like, you know, now going on almost 22 years of marriage, but I definitely would not fully as deeply appreciate the, the things. And therefore, right. So what's, what's like, how do you, how do you kind of like, a what makes you then start to appreciate more? like typically, like you, you think about like a movie, right? Someone experiences terrible loss or sickness or something, right? And that's like, oh, it's the turning point of all this stuff, right? And like, if you really think about it, like you really want to get there before you have to experience that, right? <laughs> like, like that's a crappy way to kind of come to the realization. Yeah. And um, I think a number of things happen. One is like watching the pandemic and knowing like, I had a house where everybody could be in their own room on, on their own Zoom and go to school or do work or whatever it was. And we were not cramped in on top of each other, ready to kill each other. Okay. There, there was like an aspect of daily gratitude for that, right? We were healthy. No one was sick. No one was in the hospital. Okay, fine. Like no normal things. But I think what started to happen, and this is like some of the things you were saying is like, I, I started to like look back and and realize like, hey, what did I, what would used to upset me? Or what would be a thing that would get me upset more 
is that really meaningful? Is that a big, big enough deal? Like, do I really, is that impactful to my life? You know, like they always say, I've, I've definitely seen it either in books or movies or even like quotes is like, if this thing won't upset you in five minutes from now, will it upset you in five years, you know, five days from now, five years from now, right? And it's like, conceptually, yes, like it's a great idea, but like in, in the moment when someone's upset, how hard is it for them to like put that in perspective? But these two years kind of gave me that ability to almost like train myself a lot more to think about these things. Like someone spills on your white carpet. Does it really, really, really matter? Like, is that really worth like getting upset or whatever? Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But like, the point is, is that it kind of gave me certain perspective. And then, you know, on a very personal level, we, we had friends who, who went through loss during these two years. And in, in all different ways, shapes or forms, COVID related, non-COVID related. And like, it almost made me feel like, okay, the messaging while they're going through this pain and, and like, I feel for them, the messaging in my brain was like, okay, this is my lesson to be learned. Like I was, I'm not put through this pain. I didn't have to go through that loss, but the message like is for me just as much. And like, I need to appreciate what I do have because I didn't, I may not have gone through those things, but I, I did have to do with it, you know? Um, and even, even like any small thing, I'd be like, okay, how do I think about this? Do I appreciate this? Is this upsetting? All, all these kinds of, of weighings. And I'm like, okay, like big picture, big focus, um, you know, from, from a lot of this. Well, what you're speaking to is being aware of what your emotions are and then right-sizing them, like checking, is this emotion that I want to run with? Or is this emotion that is, um, you know, finite and will end soon? Or is this emotion that's out of compassion? And I think what you're speaking to with all of us who have been touched in some way, um, whether it be, you know, close relationally or at a distance, we've experienced loss over the last two years. And for what we see happening in Ukraine right now, I mean, massive loss. And this idea of looking at each other with compassion and say, I might not be experiencing that same thing, but from a common humanity standpoint, I, I understand what loss is. And I think that is one of the blessings that has come out of this time that we've been holed up in our, in our homes and, and trapped on Zoom. And in the beginning of all this time, I think there was a lot of friction. And I think the conversations were a lot different, you know, in, in burnout and the way that we treated one another. But I do think the value that we're able to get in hindsight and moving into the next phase of this is to be able to practice more compassion for each other. And I think that's so much of what you're speaking to. Yeah, no, uh, I agree. And, and I, as we kind of wrap up here, my last question for you is like, what hasn't been said here, Ari, between you and I that, that needs to be said? Well, I mean, I, th I think um, the only thing I can think of is like, if we, if we try and like take all the points and tie them in, in, you know, in together, I wouldn't say put a nice pretty bow around it because um, there've been so many points, but I think um, like when you, when, when someone is in their business and they're thinking about like, okay, um, where they want to go or the, what they want with this business or whatever it is, right? Like if you can tie all of these things in together, you're going to take your compassion, you're going to take your gratitude, you're going to take your patience, you're going to take your lessons and say, okay, how does this kind of work together with me, especially with like my mission or what I'm really trying to accomplish? 
it will probably propel you to kind of get through whatever it is that you're, you're struggling with, or it's going to make you realize like, this may not be the thing you really, really want to be doing. And like, that may be a hard pill to swallow, but it, it may actually save you a lot of time, energy, and effort and say, okay, you know what? I, I think actually I really need to either pivot this or actually dump this or sell this or hand off this and be focusing on something else. But pulling all these things together will give clarity of what matters most and be well able said. to use from that point. Uh, Ari, thank you so much. In the show notes, we'll put links to uh, where people can find you. Um, I know you have a program right now that's available to people, so we'll make sure that there's a, a link to that as well for entrepreneurs or people that want to become um, better stewards of their wealth and be better wealth creators. Uh, REA is the go-to person for that and has created an incredible program um, to help break down what is, you know, uh, I think it's fair for us to say is a, is a kind of a complex, you know, process when we think about, you know, finance and banking and stocks and investments for many people and um, unnecessarily so, but I think you've done a great job of, of making it accessible to those people that uh, haven't been able to kind of peel back the curtain and see what's really going on. So thank you so much for your time today. My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for joining us for another episode where we explore the leadership mind. Remember, the mind is where the connection between our being and doing, our intent and our actions. Make sure to visit our website, MassimoBacchus.com, where you can like and subscribe to the show on Spotify, Anchor FM, and Apple, so you'll never miss an episode. To download my Conscious Communication Workbook to support you in turning toxic conflict into collaborative gold, please visit MassimoBacchus.com forward slash workbook. While you're at it, if you found the episode valuable, please rate the podcast on your preferred platform and share it with your community so others can join and listen as well. Until next week, remember to lead with compassion, curiosity, and gratitude. Leadership is a gift.